If you haven't sent in your requests for Listener Request Month, get on the phone. Time is running out. Pick it up and dial 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. If you need the numbers, check the episode description. Uh, it'll be in there. We need your name, where you're calling from, and the movie you'd like to hear us do. Give us a short description. Keep it nice, short, and sweet. You know, give us a quick, here's why I think this, you'd like this movie, but uh, give us a little rundown. Keep them short and sweet. 30 seconds, a minute, something like that. You have until the stroke of midnight on April 15th. If it's April 16th, it is too late. So get those taxes in and then pick up the phone and call 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I'm Triplano, one half of the mega podcasting powers, and I want to tell you a story about my tag team partner, the Macho Mandrew. <laughs> I have to say, without a doubt, my least favorite part of this. Oh, movie I know. I, I, it's that. a note. Your favorite old lady performance is on there. <laughs> it really makes me insane. Uh, it is one half of this show's favorite month of the year because it is Andrew programs the show in the month of April, which we title apt sit Moa. So, uh, why are what, what, tell them what we're doing and why we're here. First up, we're going to watch Edward Scissorhands. And I know normally we don't do a lot of period pieces just because then you kind of lose the flavor of the eighties. But I think a lot of Tim Burton pieces kind of are inherently feel like a period piece even if they're not and and also like it's one thing to do a period piece that's like dis distinctly set in a specific era this this is a time that never existed except in tim burton's head i'm pretty sure yeah. you know what i mean it's anachronistic which you know as as i you know get older and become more analytical of the common threads of the things i enjoy um anachronism is like one of the weird ones that i'm like oh yeah for some reason that just that just really what clicks. other what other examples so like, come to mind for stuff that, that fits the same bill? Riverdale and Sabrina are both anachronistic because it is like both the 50s and also today. Like the nurses all okay. wear little little dresses with paper hats and sure. also the kids have iPhones. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So like, okay. but like it's not called out in any way. Like no one, mm -hmm. there's none of that bullshit Joss Whedon self-awareness of like, when are we? Like, shut up. No, just yeah. exist in the moment. Let this be a weird time. That isn't real. Um, like another one would be uh, the um, I kind of I think the one episode of uh, Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix um, about the lotion with Kate Micucci. Yeah, that's, it, that's uh, I didn't know if it was yeah, supposed that, to be the 80s or just like flavored by the 80s. Yeah, it was that one was really hard to pin down because. It felt like it took place in the 80s, but also like not the real 80s that existed that we lived. Well, I didn't live really through and you definitely yeah, didn't, no, no. but there many people lived through. Uh, much like this movie is like, it's very clearly the 60s. It is. Yeah, it is both. It is at once the 50s, 60s and 80s. And I guess the burgeoning 90s. But like, it yeah. is all of that together and everyone's cool with it. Yeah. Well, we can pick that back up in a second, but we do have to do this part, which is we watched Edward Scissorhands, and you know what that means. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your neurodivergent allegory. Something about your neurodivergent allegory. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. 
Interesting that that's the first one you went to. Fascinating. What? I was enjoying watching this movie. I mean, I, I it was in a different it's way. It's f- over almost over 30 years old, so like we are ascribing things to it now. I don't know that it was written with that intent, but yeah. Well, you could read Edward as pretty much any other d- class of people, right? Yeah. Like Edward could be, you know, a, a racial minority, a member of the LGBTQ group, you know, like a, an immigrant person. I mean, obviously like you'd have to do twist and yeah. mold these things of course but like it it, it i think um i hate quoting other people's things but uh or, or stealing other people's points but i think this is apt uh, i heard uh lin-manuel miranda talking about how he thinks phantom of the opera is kind of like universally liked because everybody had a sort of weird phase of their life where they were like Ugh, i'm hideous don't look at me and i don't fit in and nobody likes me did everybody have? i mean i know i did i'm not saying that it's like a, i did not but I have. I feel like I know people that I'm like. You have always looked this pretty, and you've kind of always been this unchallenged. But have they ha- never had the doubt in their minds? You know what I mean. Like Fair. You know, the the prettiest, most talented people you know sometimes doubt themselves, and I think that's what that gets at. Is like, I think I think that feeling is u- more universal. I agree with what you're saying that like certainly there are people who appear to be uh unchallenged and have their you know very few waves rock their boat but you never know like what the inner turmoil is of the most beautiful or talented person you know so you know i i think you can define it in different ways but i i think i i never seen phantom and a couple years ago during that like time when it was like we're everything's okay no wait nothing for covid oh wait everything's okay nothing okay yeah. so uh, my wife and I went up to and, and saw it in New York. I, I just learned that it closed. So uh, RIP to the Phantom show. But uh, it was amazing how that show has that timeless element because it's like, oh, I'm this like hideous freak and no one likes me mm-hmm. is sort of the central tone of it. And I feel like that's he's also a murderer. So like, yeah, it's sure. like he also, he, yes, he was outcast because of that, but also he does a lot of murdering. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, take the good, I, take the I, I bad. I think... <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be like, oh, I relate to every part of this. I think it's more like this is a movie about like feeling unwanted. And I think that's something that's universal. And then like, you know, the we've said this all the time is like the best villains are like relatable or right, you know, and or, so I get, and or queer know. coded. Well, okay, yes, usually that too. But like, you know, like the, the best villains are the ones that their plan is correct. Their idea is right, but the way they want to accomplish what they want to accomplish is insane. Correct. That's what I, that's my, yeah. Anyway, I felt that a lot watching this is like, oh man, like this is so very clearly uh, Burton working some shit out on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's even copped to that as much. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I, uh, I've, you know, I, I've talked a little bit out before about this, like, you know, the Spielberg thing I'm doing. And it's like, I've been really enjoying like digging in to like what you can see on screen from the personality of a, of a filmmaker. And, you know, obviously it's not just one person and yada, 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 yada. But I think Burton is definitely one of those directors where the same themes come up over and over in his movies. And mm-hmm. it's like, some feelings he never quite processed. Like even Nightmare Before Christmas, which is obviously not fully Tim Burton, respect to Henry Selleck on this podcast, uh, the 
the like central conceit of that is like Jack Skellington is like, oh, I don't belong in the place where I am and I don't know how to deal with it. Is there so, like, is I there more to do to this? Right. Or is there it's yeah, is there more than this is a great thing, but also like the even simpler side of like, is there just a better spot for me somewhere? Like, is there a place that I fit better he- than here than there of like Well see, I don't think he doesn't like, he, he doesn't not fit in. He just is like, is this all there he's kinda like, you know, he's been at his job for ten years and he's like Yeah. Am I can I advance? Like is this is this where I want right. to stay? Right, right. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you're way, 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 way more acquainted with that movie, so I would defer to you on all the <laughs> of it. I have seen it enough that I can, like, v- you know, talk in large ter- scale terms about it without feeling like I'm bullshitting too much. But uh, I will defer to you as someone who watches it consistently versus me who saw it the last when I was twelve, probably. Um, but it's just something that, like, you know, he, you know, he seems to in the movies that he makes, like, sort of wrestle with where he fit in in the like the the like the family structure and also like his feeling like an outcast is a part of it and so like even big fish which is like perhaps the most mainstream attempt at filmmaking he did i guess that's probably not true i think this um, is probably it's probably this and big fish are the two mainstreamy other than the disney stuff yeah. that's new but i'm not really yeah on that. yeah yeah or yeah i mean yeah I was going to say like the later period with like what we do in the shadows and stuff like that. You mean dark shadows? More of an attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Gosh. The bad, the bad, (laughs) the bad shadows vampire thing. The the bad shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just like, it's interesting to see like, you know, and like this is, this is perhaps the most like authorial self insert (laughs) character. Mm hmm. You know, obviously Tim Burton doesn't have scissors for hands, but I imagine a lot of this feels like him to himself. Yeah. Although weird, because according to IMDb, the trivia, he said he thinks the scariest character in the movie is Alan Arkin. And I was like, huh? Did he elaborate? No, there's, I mean, he might have in the interview, but that's all it says on, on, on IMDb. And I was like, Interesting. I was like the guy who like never did anything bad and like never like. He was not an, like letting people do think mean things to to Edward, and he wasn't being mean to Edward. So I was like, right. I I want to know why you think he's the scariest because my dude, I don't think anyone yeah, else that's fascinating. gets that. And as a director, that, that feels like that feels like I've got some dad issues. Yeah, yeah. Because the only way I could see that from where you know I having just watched this movie sit is the one scene where. He's like really pushing Edward to monetize the art that he's making. And then he's like, I mean, if that's what, you know, <laughs> if that's what he scary, believe me, I wouldn't be shocked, but also like, buddy, <laughs> this is a stretch Armstrong esque, uh, you know, slinky dog dropped out a window stretched. Let's be clear. Uh, but like, maybe it's that. Cause like to him, the idea of, of that is so disgusting, but like, I, I, frankly, I think Alan Arkin has one of my favorite lines of the movie where he's like, ah, you should you should own your own business. That's one of the best things you could do, from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I, I'm going to say one more like preamble thing, mm-hmm. and I think we should jump to it. But I'm never going to love Tim Burton. Like, I just it's just never going to yeah, happen. For but me. this is his good period, but as we say. For sure. I, this is definitely when he was making the best stuff that he was making. And even if I don't love it, like I can respect it and whatever. And like, whatever I was, I also was a douche about it when I was younger because that's the, I was younger and a douche. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'll take that. That's accurate. And I'll, I'll wear that badge when it's appropriate. Um, 
this movie has like so much of the design and so much authorial voice that you just don't see as much in movies these days that it was almost refreshing. Like it almost came all the way around to like, Oh man, like this is so very, they don't do this anymore. One person. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, to some degree you can still find these things and you can find great movies still made now. And you know, I, I frankly think we've been in a really good period for movies for the last like 12 months or so give or take, like there's been some really great movies that have come out and really, you know, fun stuff and artsy stuff. That's been good. And I've been really happy with broader movie output over the last year, but even with stuff that is from like a Spielberg or, or, you know, a a bigger name director, or even like a young director who's working with such a small budget that they get to do these things. This is like, all right, whatever you want to do, we'll just cut the check. And you just don't see that very often anymore. No. This this whole this whole the set design of the the mansion and the weird like cookie machine and all that stuff is just it's so 100% from the mind of Tim Burton. Obviously, other people were involved and I'm not trying to take away other people's input cuz certainly some of these things were designed by other people and all that stuff, but like you could you could take a still frame of almost any moment of this movie and be like, who directed this? And if the person doesn't have Tim Burton in their first three guesses, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, exactly. It's that it's that uh, vibrantly dark or darkly vibrant kind of yeah. palette yeah. that we talked about yeah. whenever we did a Tim Burton before. That's right. What was the other one we did? We did Be- Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Right. Did we do Pee Wee yet? We have not done Pee Wee yet, right, well, but I would like to do Pee Wee. Yeah. Someday we'll do Pee Wee. I think we talked about doing Pee Wee when the Netflix thing was coming out, and then the Netflix thing ended up kind of like coming and going without any fanfare, and so we just were like, oh, well, like, we didn't miss anything there, but we'll definitely get to Pee Wee. Yeah. Actually, I think Pee Wee, I think Large Marge just had like a real, like, would have been 50 this year. Like, the, she would have been, or like 75. She like had a, Oh. I think we missed really? what could have been a fun little tie-in. Yeah, that would have been excellent. Uh, we start with old lady voice, which this and uh, well, I mean, no, we start with a, we start with a Danny Elfman score. That's it's true. A very it's good a very, score for him. Yeah, it is. It is, and and I'll say this: like Danny Elfman's another guy who I've made a lot of fun of over the years. But when he when he doesn't only do the one thing, it's very good. Well, see, to me, it's like like John Williams is like garlic powder. You can put him in anything, and it's gonna gonna be yeah. pretty good. Danny yeah. Elfman's like like saffron or like curry powder. Yeah. Like you sure. can't put him in everything, but when you put him in, damn, it's gonna be good. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think that's that's very accurate. And he also is one of those people who's like he makes memorable music that you could hum right now. Like you know the Beetlejuice is uh, theme music. That's that's that yeah, is him, him, right? I'm not just saying it because it's Burton. Okay, it's like the like. It's like he makes very, very, very memorable music. So obviously he's good at what he does. But I feel like his and John Williams is guilty of this too. Of like when you listen to like a couple different movies that he does in the same time period, they have like a sameness sometimes. And you're like, Oh, like there's a lot of star Wars in this one or what have you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, well, some of, did you know, Danny, Danny Elfman did the first was... Spider-Man movie? Like the, like the, I did. Yeah. The yeah. Sam Raimi one. Cause I was, I didn't realize that until I heard it and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is, this feels right. This feels like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a perfect choice for that for, with the, with the Raimi Spider-Man's anyway, which had a darker tone. And then he did the multiverse of madness. They brought him back for that. Yes. I remember that being a thing and I didn't think it was, uh, it was not as memorable. Uh, some, some things were, but overall it wasn't, there wasn't like an impactful moment. 
Yeah, I mean, nobody working on that movie was trying their hardest. I think Elizabeth Olsen was trying pretty hard, and uh, eh, I think she was. Yeah, she's better on the TV show. Well, yeah, watch the whole thing. Well, I'm saying she wasn't trying her hardest. If the TV show represents her hardest, she's not trying her hardest. Mm. In any case, it it does indeed start with a lot of uh, very cool props and set pieces, and and the Danny Elfman score, and then. Uh, then we get the it's this and back to the future are the two worst culprits of like you just don't need to do an affect to be old you need a you little bit don't. you need something you just need to you just need to bring the power down 10 percent. you just need to be a little softer that's all that's all that happens when you get old. our grandfather just died he was 93 his voice didn't sound that significantly different it was just not as powerful anymore i guess i feel like every actor in the 80s was like all right, I'm playing myself at age 90 or 80 or 70 or whatever what the movie calls for. 60 in the case of Back to the Future, they're probably in their 50s, Christ. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, right? Because it's 2015, so it's 30 years later, so she's like 50. and she, At most. Marty, come down to dinner. And it's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> that is a cartoon voice. You are doing a cartoon old lady voice. I mean, it might be that like that's what people expect. Like when people think old people... That's what your brain yeah. does. And so, like, if that's yeah, what audiences yeah. expect, you kind of have to do, you have to give a little bit. I understand. I just find it hilarious. Her daughter, her granddaughter's also in the biggest bed. She looks like she's in <laughs> fucking Toontown, USA. <laughs> yeah. The way that they shoot uh, Winona in the giant chair to make her look so small in the, like, in the chair, it's like a, a chair and a half size chair, basically. It kind of yeah. like swallows her up. And then the, the, the she's in, like, a California king as a two-year-old or five. I mean, she's not two, but just like the size discrepancy is amazing. But then also credit to Burton here is like he shoots it at such a low angle and puts the granddaughter so high up in the bed. Like she looks like an ant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the princess in the pea. It's crazy. And uh, then we get some great miniature work as they zoom through the little town. Awesome miniatures. Yeah. Really great. Very Beetlejuice-esque. God bless miniature work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Also... <laughs> It's such an artist move to like the fact that the inventor invented all of him, but to save the hands for last feels like such an artist move of like, like me, I I still struggle with hands. So if I'm sketching a costume, often yeah. their hands are behind their back or in a pocket or behind their head. Yeah. So it feels, yeah. it just feels very true to artists. Like, yeah, I can't do hands. But what's so funny about it to me is like, it's such a ludicrous in between step. <laughs> You know, it's not like a claw. It's not like a just like weird armature. It's just a bunch of fucking scissors wired together. I mean, they do explain why he why that was the case. They do? Yeah, they show he had the he had a, a coleslaw machine that was a person and it was just it was like a robot that had scissor hands and then he put the heart up to it. And then okay. that robot's design was Edward. Apparently, I was, like, asleep for that portion of the movie because I truly do not understand what you're describing. Like, I don't know if the version I watched cut one of the flashbacks, but I no, it's No, it's, it's the one she pushes the um the uh, the motorized can opener, and then it sets off the flashback. Okay. Ed, uh, that, Vincent yeah, Price wanders I, yeah. through his, his cookie machine and picks up a heart, and then he turns around to his coleslaw machine, apparently, and it's, like, 
basically an Edward body looking robot with little scissor hands chopping up lettuce as it comes down the conveyor belt and he holds the heart up to it. I, I swear to you that's that is not in the version of that I just watched. I would I I mean That seems like a I, crucial I, detail I, to be I missing. Know, but I swear to you, this is what happens when you have to sometimes uh not rent the movie. I, I swear to you that I in my in my head that scene ends with him picking up the cookie. And then what, eating it? Just like, <laughs> I'm an old man and I want a cookie? It was just, he like picked up the cookie and smiled at it. I mean, I must have been taking a note. Whatever. I do not remember that at all. That's very funny. Like, I know what you're describing. I just don't remember that part. Yeah. Also, this movie like just disappeared off stuff because I watched it maybe a month ago and it was on either Hulu or Disney Plus. And I was like, oh yeah, because they own a lot of Tim Burton stuff from Touchstone. Yeah. Cool. I'll check. And immediately it was, it was like, I was like, no, it's not here anymore. I don't, I don't know how to watch it. So... <laughs> You don't own this? I do, but my laptop doesn't have a a disk drive. Oh, no disk drive, yeah. I was going to say, you not owning this is genuinely shocking to me. Uh, so we start, like, rolling through the town. We meet some of the, the gossip uh, brigade uh, of this town, all of the, the, the bored housewives who all have- Diane Weist just, like, killing it. Fucking- Weist is very good in this movie. Uh, also, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, yep, in- yep, yep. In, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the cold open that ends with Charles going, I have a weast, a, a weast infection. And then uh, it's a good two minutes just, of silence. And then it's not quite two minutes, but it goes on forever. And you're like, oh, is something wrong? You're like about to grab the remote. And then it does the opening. Very good. Uh, so the the one that I find uh, most enjoyable of this, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but she's like the sex pot neighbor, the sort of Blanche Devereaux oh, Joyce. group, as you would. Yeah. Um, who's married, right? That's the weird. Okay. Married. So I like just learned this on like my last rewatch because as a okay. kid, I assumed that she wasn't. I, I didn't yeah. get it, obviously, because I was a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. my brain was like, she doesn't have a husband. Like she, yeah. I know that much. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, th- my brain uh, for the longest time took the, the, the like plumber who's at her house fixing her dishwasher and mm. put his face at the barbecue later. Oh, it's not the same guy. It's her husband at the barbecue. No. Yeah. But yeah. I fully for the, like literally until maybe a few months ago was like, Oh wait, she has a husband. She's married. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, like, she is very sexually She should have been single. She should have been the only single woman in the neighborhood. Right, right. Or, or like, a, maybe, like, you could make it seem like, oh, is she a black widow? Like, that would be kind of fun. Oh, yeah, there you go. But she's hitting on this repairman, and it's the, like, classic, like, porno fantasy of, like, oh, the repairman and the hot woman at the thing. And she's, like, really coming on to this guy. And that I really like what this actor's doing, you know, the, the classic no small parts thing. It's like he has no interest in this and is really annoyed by the fact that she's like so aggressively hitting on him. And he's like, lady, I just want to do my fucking job and go home. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't want to I'm do sure that, that you Thank sabotaged you. this somehow, but like, I, I can flick this switch and be done. Yeah. I, I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I got to do 12 calls today. I don't have time to have sex with you, even if I wanted to. I'm not going to do that. She's also got fucking claws. Yes. Yeah. The 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 drumming on the windowsill uh, the, here in a minute. They're like an inch long pink curved yes. acrylics. Yeah. Uh, so she, has, she she visits her. She visits Conchata Farrell, who's like, you know, I don't buy anything from you, Peg. Yeah. And, like Conchata Farrell, who you would know from Two and a Half Men, if you don't remember her from this. Yeah, and uh, also Krampus. 
That's right. Yeah, she's very good in Krampus. Uh, very, you know, Diane Weiss very beaten down. No one in town wants to buy the the Avon. She's the Avon lady. We did not say that. Yeah, sorry. Oh, did I not say Avon calling? I have that as a note. I'm not sure if we. I'm not sure if we did. So I just was making sure. Um, she always reminds me of our mom. Weist. Yeah, in this movie, actually, yeah, not this not every Weist. This movie always reminds me of our mom. Mom, mom would want to adopt the the weird freak. I mean, alone in the attic of the. Thing. She that, basically very on brand. She's very close to adopting all the wayward gay cast members who don't have interaction <laughs> with their biological families. Like it's it's very close to happening. <laughs> so like, I get it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I love the like she's driving, she's getting rejected a whole bunch. She looks to the rear or the side rear mirror, sorry, the side mirror that shows behind the vehicle and she sees the the castle weird place where previously Vincent Price and now uh just Edward Scissorhands live and she does this like hmm and and then we spin around to it and it's just a cul-de-sac and the middle house, the keystone spot of the cul-de-sac is the driveway to this decrepit mansion. And it's just the, like the logistics uh, of that are stupid. A, yeah. There's a classic trope, right. Of like a million houses. And this is kind of like what makes Halloween so great is like the creepy house is like 20 is like 10 to 20% different than the other houses on the block. Mm-hmm. But there is a trope and especially kids stuff where the creepy house is like the Adams family house and it's adjacent to five houses that are pink and blue and green pastels, Yeah, which I've always enjoyed. And this is the like, Oh, Apex okay. Of that. That, this is the knob. We, we go way past 11 all the way around again. We do two cycles on the knob. Yeah. It's like up on, it's essentially up on the spiral Hill from nightmare. Before Christmas. Uh-huh. Yes, it is a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting that like, there's never a discussion of like, oh, no one, that that's the, the haunted mansion on the hill. Yeah. It's just like, exactly. no one talks about it, but like, how could you not talk about this thing? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's like the, the literal black sheep. Yes. The black house of the neighborhood that everyone's just like, oh, we can't talk about those people. And like, where is the yuppie trying like- to turn it into condos? Right, exactly. Or, or, uh, you know, mixed use residential retail. <laughs> Um, the other thing that's interesting to me is like, I wonder what it is and it's probably a combination of factors, but he clearly was like so invested in this movie and there's a period of time where he's like, Burton is like so invested in what he's doing. And then you see like the later stuff, like the, the dark shadows, the, 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 the Willy Wonka, that's him, yeah. right? The, the depth. Yeah, it is. And then the, like the, certainly this Disney period where it's like, is he just over it? Is he checked out? Like, what is it like? Some is it just like I want the paycheck and not the work? It's just, it's just fascinating to me to watch. It's it's not surprising to me that any director like eventually kind of checks out and just kind of takes the money. It's it's just there, right? But when it's someone who is like so aggressive, like you so clearly understand that he is involved with this deeply from the the root stage all the way up to the tree of the final movie. That it's like, huh, like when did, when did you just like, just like, eh, I don't give a shit anymore. So I have a weird like head cannon for this. Um, oh, okay. Cause he worked for Disney as an animator. He worked on That's Black right, Cauldron, yeah. that movie that everyone pretends That's to right. love, That's but right. God, it's fucking boring y'all. Like <laughs> it's like playing I, that. It's like watching people play a D and D campaign that you have no context for. It's not, it's not good. I, 
Stop pretending. I will not. I will not re- defend this one because I have not done a rewatch. It's it's just, it is it is dark and it is bleak and it's long and it's dry. It's just like someone <laughs> sing a fucking song. <laughs> Do anything. I will. I will stand up for uh, the the. The Mike Bignola Atlantis movie. Oh, by the way, I'll do this on air. I accidentally got a pin that is the Atlantis treasure orb map thing that says chart your own course because they sent me the wrong Uh, pin. Do you want it? Not especially. I I was just, I have it. So I. It's nice. Take, you know what? Uh, I, uh, I will take it and then I will trade it. No, it's not an official pin. So you can't trade it. Oh, oh, okay. Then no. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't like deeply love that movie and like need it to be part of my life. I just think it's like pretty good. That's that is my evaluation of it. Um, so, yeah, he worked for Disney in their animation department, clearly saw how the sausage was made and like what's going to sell. Yeah. And also at this point in his life, he's like, I'm going to stick it to the man because I can make it sell because that's what everyone yeah. kind of has at some point. Sure. And sure, so sure. he ended up. Le- the piss and vinegar stage. Yeah, he ended up leaving Disney. Um, even though like they, they did a bunch of stuff for him, like they let him make that weirdo short Vincent. Um, also Frankenweenie too, right? Yes, Frankenweenie as well. Um, uh, but that was live action. Uh, Vincent right. is stop motion is claymation or stop motion, okay. I guess I should say. Um, so he left there to be like, I'm gonna make real art, and then he did, and he's like, Well, I proved I could do that. I think I might. I might just go make some money. Like I, I did the thing. Sure. Yeah. And I know that I can come back here because now that I've proved yeah. I can make money, they will want me back, and I can just kind of sure. coast and make money. That's my own headcanon. It's, it's your. I mean, it, it. I've mentioned this podcast before, but the the podcast blank check is like a filmography podcast about directors who. Is this considered his blank check movie? Probably, because it's like a huge success, and or maybe like, Batman or, would be. It, it, it's yeah, that's definitely correct. Uh, yes. So this is the this is the result. This is the pay, this is the blank check movie because it is the movie that he got a blank check to do because he had done a year before he makes Batman. It makes a billion dollar. Not literally back then. That was impossible. But it makes a huge amount of money. All the merchandise it makes. They're going to make a sequel da, 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 down the line. It's like, OK, you did that. Here's a blank check. Make whatever you want. And he's like, OK, I got this movie about a weird guy with scissor hands who lives in an attic. And they actually weren't scissor hands originally. Were they penis hands like the porn? <laughs> no. Um, so like a lot of his stuff, it like started as he like drew it as a kid and like some drawings just mm. stuck with him. And so this like spindly man with with pointy fingers kind of stuck with him. And so he was like, I don't, Interesting. It's like, I don't know. It's just he just has pointy fingers and like didn't flesh it out. And then yeah. in working out, they're like, oh, what if it's like blades or knives or scissors? And then he gave that to Stan Winston and because Tim Burton's a dum-dum didn't like think Stan Winston would go, oh, I will give you scissor hands. He was like, I thought you just do whatever. And he showed up and they were scissors. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, Stan Winston gets the assignments, dude. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was truly stunned uh, later with the stop, the claymation, or I guess it's more stop motion because they're not lit, whatever. The stop motion stuff with the cookie machine. I was like, oh man, this is 100%. It's not necessarily stop motion. Are they whatever? I think they're real. Just I think it's actual like, like moving things. I don't think it's stop motion. Okay, but in any case, I was like, oh, this is one hundred percent Phil Tippett, and then I looked, and it's not. It just happens to look a lot like Phil Tippett. Hmm. Yeah, it's Bo Welch is the production designer who is Catherine O'Hara's husband and did a lot of Tim Burton stuff. Okay, is he also Beetlejuice? Then I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. 
I think they met on Beetlejuice, actually. Get, I was just going to say, is that like the origin story of that relationship? Um, yeah, I think Beetlejuice is 88, right? Yeah, or 87, one and of two. I think Beetlejuice is 88 and Batman's 89, and then this is 1990, which is a pretty <laughs> That's impressive a run stacked, for anybody. A stacked three years, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this the, the the Beetlejuice is probably the like door opener. The the Batman is the the movie that creates the blank check, and this is the first of the blank check movies. Was Pee Wee before this? Was before Beetlejuice? I think Pee Wee might be eighty seven. Okay, it's in that same I think time frame. Yeah, yeah, in that or eighty six. It's it, it's definitely in the same time. But anyway, early Tim Burton had a hell of a run. He was very successful. Yeah. I, re- uh, I basically yeah. until. 90 until batman returns is my like i will die on this hill that these anything before that is a, is good that he made anything yeah. after that yeah. i'm like let's talk about it yeah is it mars yeah. attacks because yeah that's pretty good but is it <laughs> is it fucking dumbo because it's fine <laughs> i've talked about this before but my my wife has like a little bit of tolerance for the b movie and not a love a deep love for it like i have and like we have mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh man, they're doing a the Alamo Draft House here in town. I was like, oh, they're doing a free showing of uh, Mars Attacks. Free showing? This? Sure. Like, I don't know what that movie is. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I don't know what that movie is. I was like, oh, okay. It's, it's like Tremors. It's like a B movie. And I show her the trailer for Mars Attacks. And she's like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. See, I feel like tr- Mars Attacks, by virtue of the budget, like, I know they wanted it to, f- to be B, but like, yeah. it just it just doesn't feel like a B movie. Oh, interesting. I get the. I get what they're. I get what's intended there enough that it works for me. But I. It's, it's not a great movie. When you have so many star like, like stars in that movie, I'm yes. like, okay, we're yeah. What? We're, it's not a B movie, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's fair. Uh, anyway, progressing forward here, Diane Weist makes her way up to the house. She finds these incredible uh, garden sculptures, topiaries. There's a. Topiary, thank you. And there's a giant uh, hand one in the middle, which is cool. Like the camera doesn't, yeah, like linger. It like it's there, but it doesn't get the whole like attention like all the others do. Yeah, that one's really fantastic. Um, but so you know, we got the this this sort of, and it's like a it's sort of a beckoning hand without being like ominous. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like, like sort of open, like, kind of pointing to the house without being creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the like it's it's welcome, not welcome inside. Yeah, come on in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's she's wandering up. And then uh, this shot is crazy. And it must have just been a sort of trick of the lighting because it's very clearly really a set because we see it a bunch of times. But it's the stairs up to the attic and the attic has this like gaping hole in it, despite that this is where Edward's little nest is. And it looks like Diane Weist is walking along a matte painting. I mean, some of it could be. I, it's possible, but the rest we see this set like four times in the movie, and we see it from all sorts of angles. So it would be wild if this just one was fake. But it's I think it's just a trick of the lighting. But yeah. I, who knows? I didn't look it up. Yeah, she wanders uh, into this spooky house and is keeps saying, you know, Avon calling. I'm Peg Boggs. You don't have to be afraid of me. Like in a horror movie, Peg yeah. is dead. Oh, in a horror movie, sure. Peg's murdered. She's the cold yes. open kill. Yes, yes. In this episode of dead. Supernatural, she's dead in the first two minutes. <laughs> She dies and then it goes like whoosh, 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 supernatural and flicker, flicker, flicker comes on screen. Yeah. Uh, so she sees a shape in the corner and she's like, oh, hi. I'm also, sorry his, to disturb you. She she's like looks into his little uh, he lives. He sleeps in the fireplace. It's a giant d- Tim does. Burton fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, it is. he's got a collage of like boy without eyes learns to read with his hands and like diet pit, like all these like aesthetic and you know, overcoming things imagery yeah. on his wall 
And then she turns to look at him, like, hiding in the shadows. And he's got a... His scissor hands have a fucking Morticia Adams special light right on them. Yes. So they're just, like, glinting and gleaming in this, like, spooky shadow with one beam of light. He also sort of draws himself up to his full height in in a thing that's very reminiscent of some of the times you see the alien in the original Alien, where it's just like... Oh, yeah. Because he's kind of crouched in the corner. uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and we finally get a good look at our beautiful BS- BDSM boy, this art school Cenobite, Edward Scissorhands. It's funny because like that's his body. That's not an outfit, right? right. <laughs> Which like is the one of the weird things to think about in this movie. Like that's his that's his torso. That's just that's his that's him naked right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, such a weird choice. <laughs> like the whole thing is like the. It's not because it's like it's like truly like BDSM ish. Cenobite hot topic. Yeah. Just a wild choice of, of thing uh, for sure. And then I, I will say, uh, uh, we'll get to this more fully later, but the beef I have always had with this movie is that it doesn't define what's going on well enough. And I, what do you, last like, night what was do you mean? like, is Edward a robot man or is it magic? So I think it's, I think it's science magic. I think it's like a Frankenstein, like in that, in that Frankenstein is science magic. Okay. I think it's that we're doing because we're doing it's like fully. This is a Frankenstein tale, right? Like I, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein as a fairy tale, right? It's like got some Pinocchio elements and stuff, but it's like we're doing Frankenstein. Yeah, here. I think it's science magic. I don't think he's he's not a robot. He's I think he's supposed okay. to be, you know, that. because they don't ever really fully define that. But later in the flashback with the hands, they're not like they're just sculptures. They're not they're not they're, they're not immovable. No. They wouldn't, yeah. If you put these hands on him, they shouldn't. He shouldn't be able to move them. Yeah, which, like, so, again, anyway. that could have been like these are the prototype. Was what they're gonna look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a really billion reasons why this could be, uh, you know, either. But I just, I think that has always been one of the things about this movie. It's like it feels like magic, but then there's like everything else is so sort of like automated machinery that it seems like he should be a robot. It, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not. It's not delineated enough for me, I should say. That's also why Tom Cruise didn't get this role. He read it and he was like, uh, I don't understand. How does he go to the bathroom? Does he eat? What is it? And he like asked so many like specific questions and Tim yeah. Burton was like, you don't get it. Nope. Bye. Bye. But I'm with him. I, I, one of the few times in my life, I'm with you, Tom Cruise, because I'm like, well, later he's eating. Like we see him having eaten, but not actually eating. Yeah. But I, he never like is I like he like has a little food he does he's clearly not like eating to sustain himself yeah i guess he he like puts all that butter on the bread and then we see him with like buttery lips and i'm like well what happens to that food after he ingests it i don't know is this like a one like same way in and out situation he just vomits all the time yeah he's just it's like the the director's cut of this movie is they had they were like Terry, i love the picture here's the thing way too much puking <laughs> Can we cut? Can we cut down the pukin by a hundred percent? You can't sell it in Peoria with the pukin. So is there also like a, a cor- like the, a shot of the corner of the room filled with rat carcasses that he's been eating? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly that. Yes, yes. He's like he's he's scarfing down, and they're like, and then later there's a scene where like it sort of insinuates that he. Uh, the dog grooming grew out of like his ability to to butcher animals. <laughs> 
Yeah, you have to. You just have to remember that this is a fairy tale, and like, like you don't. I like my, I like my interpretation a little more. Where it's just Edward's got a puke hole. I mean, yes, sure, but it's the same way that like <laughs> that, that big hole in the roof upstairs. It's where he, he vomits crawls, from. He crawls over to it and pukes out the side of the house. <laughs> You're way more pleased that with that to- joke than I am. That that topiary is like the grandest topiary of them all because it's constantly fertilized Ew. i don't think vomit is a fertilizer i think i think it would be there's a lot of acid in it processed food yeah it's fine it's an acid bearing tree it's rose it's a rose bush yeah 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 he has like a beautiful rose bush but i was i'm laughing so hard because i'm just picturing johnny depp in this outfit like 25 year old johnny depp in in a black leather bodysuit like trying to crawl so that he can get his head out the window and vomit. I don't know. It really got me. <clears throat> yeah, you just have to like the same reason you suspend belief that Sleeping Beauty slept for a hundred years or like right, whatever. Right, like, right. come on. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. My the, my two beefs with this movie: one, old lady voice, get out of here with that, and two, it's just a little bit too long for me. This is like eight minutes too much. I, I agree because it's it's an hour forty before the credits roll, and like you yeah. could you could trim. Yeah. Um. Uh, the kid on the slip and slide as they drive through town is uh, Nick Carter. Is that right? Yeah. How did he deal with all the the vomiting? <laughs> so actually, he only threw up twice in this movie. It was he was he had to run too much in a leather suit and he threw up. Wait, he really he really threw up making the movie. I yes, thought twice. You were doing the no, movie. twice. He oh, actually wow. did throw up twice. Okay. Uh, okay, I gotta center myself for this being real information and not. I was like, oh yeah, baby, Bit Town, come with no, me. No, this, this is real. Uh, the first was eating too much in the barbecue scene when all the women were like shoving food in his face. He threw up after uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. I guess he didn't have a spit bucket. <laughs> um, well, all of these women, we'll get to it. We'll get there. We'll get and then the other one is at the end when he's running. I think it's when he's running from the police. They made he ran it like six times and he overheated and and like immediately threw up. <laughs> Oh, that's awful. That's truly awful. But it's not like, I mean, obviously, we don't know, but it doesn't seem like Tim Burton forced him to like. Right. Like, I'm sure if he said, hey, can I can I do an arms up for a few minutes after running? Yeah, right. It's it's just one of those things where it's like some movies you watch and you're like, oh, that was fucking torture to make. Some movies you've already heard this when you watch it and you're like, oh, I see why that was torture. And some movies where this, it just sneaks up on you. We're like, oh, it was actually pretty torturous because I, I this is a real stay tuned. Um, I just watched the movie Hard Rain, which is uh, Christian Slater, Morgan Freeman and our favorite Randy Quaid as the the sheriff. Oh, Uh yeah, and it's a heist movie that takes place during a crazy rainstorm. Uh, Christian Slater and his partner Ed Asner are <laughs> s- are uh, the guys that drive like a Brinks truck. Okay, the 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 money truck, and the town gets flooded, and they're going to rob them because of it. Like they know of it, and so Morgan Freeman leads a gang of robbers to steal for the money from Ed Asner and Christian Slater, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> but it is like deliciously dumb. Um, but the whole movie is actors wading through like chest deep. Yeah, that's water. awful. No, thank you. Y- yeah, chest deep, waist deep, whatever. And I was just like, man, this sucked. Like, there's you can't keep this much water warm. It's oh no, a crazy amount of money. So they were just always miserably cold. Like this sucked. And this that, was awful. And it's not like 
at least with Titanic, you're like, well, it made a billion trillion dollars. Right. Sure. Like, right. Don't torture people. Like, There's nothing. It's not worth it. But like, you could be like, sure, whatever. Some no, some nothing movie that no one's ever heard of. Right. This came, this aired on TNT a few times. Is like the upper limit. The only thing I could think is like a lot of their outfits. Maybe they could have at least had like the bottom half of a wetsuit on. Oh, that's but true. Like, like you know, like up to their like under their clothes, but not the arms. But like unbelievably miserable so like that movie you're like oh man this sucked but this movie i would not have expected edward scissorhands to make johnny depp throw up multiple times just twice that's multiple times i know but it's not too bad and then all the times we described of like the rats <laughs> yes um so peg take how do you think the cookie batter gets made edward edward like eats the cookie and then oh the fully impossible cookie fucking cookie batter machine yeah <laughs> yeah we'll get there because i have words about You've never been in a kitchen, Tim Burton. <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, so yeah, Peg takes him home, and uh, all the no the nosy neighborhood women catch like catch sight of him in the car and do the the fucking the telephone hour to all show up outside yes. of Peg's house to the gossip the gossip brigade at work. Mm-hmm. Also, I would I didn't I didn't have this other thing. He speaks for the first time in this, and he's doing this like weird child voice. I know that everybody clowned on him for his. Uh, Willy Wonka just basically being Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of just this. Yeah, it's similar. But I, the other thing I was thinking of, like, it's no wonder this dude is messed up. Like, he's basically been playing Peter Pan's for his entire career. Like, even this. Oh, this Johnny Depp himself. Like, I thought you meant the character. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Johnny Depp. Like Jack Sparrow has a lot in common with this character. You know? Sure. Sure. Like Not a, never grew up weirdo. Like like that's sort of the basic. Well, one of them of is both of those. In, implied to be immortal. So, uh, both are. One of them is implied to be immortal, and one of them actually is. We see it in the movies. No, he gets brought back from the dead. He's not immortal. He did die. They had to go get him. Okay, Th- that's pretty hair splitting. But okay. no, immortal is like like I don't know that Edward Scissorhands can die. Right, he can't. But Jack Sparrow did die. They went to the world of the dead and got him back. But I wouldn't say that right. makes you immortal. He also did the thing with the magic coin that kept him alive for two movies or one movie. That was just one movie. That was the first movie. Okay. Okay. In any case, he's been playing these like Peter Pans his whole career. It's like, it's no wonder this guy is fucked up. Like, I'm not condoning his behavior. I'm just saying it's not surprising that he is fucked up. Yeah. Although he anyway, won that sorry, case. The gossip gang. Yes. He still acted like an asshole. I like it. Like, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to litigate Johnny Depp's behavior. It's. I'm not interested in doing that. That whole thing seems like awful. That and also n- certainly should not have been as public as it was. That felt like so exploitative. The two of them being in that situation was just like. I'm not defending either of them because they both acted poorly, and I don't really have a strong opinion on this. But like, holy hell, did that not need to be such a public spectacle? I watched a lot of it, <laughs> and I. And that's like, I. I like don't particularly care. Like, Johnny Depp's fine to me. Like, to me, like to me now, he's not a selling point of like, oh, I have to go see that movie. Johnny Depp's in it, right? I mean, he hasn't been for a long time for most people. No, but like for some reason, this I was like, I'm fascinated. Also, his it was just his legal team was very like compelling to watch. So I was like, I'll watch. I want to see more of this. Okay, sorry, I cut you off. We're doing the Gossip Gang. Uh, All the ladies are playing telephone, trying to figure out what's going on. She's got a man in the car. Um, she introduces him, you know, through pictures to the family, uh, you know, gives him some clothes to put on and we get some waterbed shenanigans. 
The first waterbed is very funny, and I love that somehow he puts the stuffed animal over it, and the problem is solved. Well, for him, yeah. But but it's never like he's later sleeping in that bed. Oh, you're right. I never. I guess I never thought about that. That because <laughs> like like Winona comes in in a, you know a few scenes, and like he's in her bed, and she freaks out, and he pops the thing really badly, and then it makes a big mess. But he put a hole in it already. It's like he should have gotten in there, and it should have gone like a Freddy Krueger esque explosion of water. Didn't our neighbor across the street have a waterbed? Yes. I'm like vaguely remembering. I don't remember which. Yes. Also, we rented a a place. uh, I rented a a place out in West Virginia with some friends. We did like a weekend away with a group of people around uh, a couple of years ago in the fall. And uh, my now wife uh, at the time, girlfriend, and I were like, oh, we'll take this room. And then we went to get in the bed that night and it was a water bed. Did it not have a heater in it? Oh, it wasn't cold or anything, but it was just like we got into a water bed. not knowing that it was a waterbed. So it was a pretty shocking thing to be like, all right, let me sit down in this. What the? F- <laughs> I would hate to sleep in a waterbed with a partner. I'll sleep on my own in a waterbed, but my they, boyfriend and I rotisserie chicken too much to be cut. Con- like every 20 minutes, the bed would just wobbledy wobbledy as we rotate. You feel it less than you'd think, but it's definitely not zero. Yeah. So he gets dressed. Um, the, the night falls and the men come home. So all the housewives disperse from the corner. Yeah, that is a great scene there. Um, and it's just, we get some really good physical comedy of him trying to eat things off his plate and like pick up a fork. Yes. He he said he studied like Charlie Chaplin movies since his character is mostly silent. And like it shows oh, okay. in his, in his physical yeah. comedy. My favorite is the P the one P balance between two scissor blades is very good. Ah, uh, so good. And then my second, my second favorite is when he eats the pea and then the bread and then the the sweet potato and then he turns and just starts on the floor next to the table. I I do not find this bit as funny as you do. You hate it. That's why I find it especially funny. You have you have you've crafted a perfect scenario in which you have no interest in playing in the space and it's delightful to be not here. I don't know why. Like well, I think you you had such a big reaction to it that I was like, am I missing like No, it's dumb as shit. It's just I like I said, it, I just want you here. I'll let me paint you the mind picture and then I'll I'll get off it. Who the audience picture or me? Johnny Depp everybody you picture johnny depp in this movie in his full gear no, we heard you <laughs> <laughs> we heard you then, but you didn't you didn't really give it the space it deserved okay because it is funny to think of him crawling in this outfit why is he crawling because he has to get his head over the edge of the the, the, the balcony the edge of the room why can't he stand up and lean over because it's he has to get all the way to the edge with his chin over. That's the funny part okay. about it. Okay. <laughs> so he's 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 crawling, but he can't use his hands because they're scissors. So he has to use his elbows. So he's like a worm. You see. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'll let you have I'm it. Sorry that that image is just really fucking funny to me. <sighs> The rest of this is stupid just because you don't like it, but the idea of him just like shimmying, I don't know, it kills me. Anyway, moving on. Uh, uh, Winona. Well, no, first the men drive away and like. Well, you did that. We were eating. We no, were the men there. come home, but then we see them drive away the next day. Oh, Winona hasn't right, come home right. yet. Um, right, I'm sorry. 
And I always wish that um, the men leaving in the morning had more like specificity and choreo because oh, it's like, yeah, like it's exactly 702 and it's like, vroom, vroom. but like, or like the first two back out or like they, you know, they zig the zig like the opposite zigzag people pull out of their driveway to pull away and then yes but like yes. it needs like for how clockwork and specific and and stylized this neighborhood is the fact that the cars the men leaving isn't part of that feels like an oversight i agree it was probably like just too complicated but it is it is weird i'm sure the other the other funny one is when she takes edward home for the first time here uh, and pulls him up to the house. She doesn't go into her driveway. She like stops on the curb and then lets him out. And then later the car is not parked there. So I'm just. Very I, don't know. I was going to say maybe this. Bill parks in the driveway. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the music also gets weirdly intense when the men leave. Like it, it feels like yes. the, the ship, the mothership is landing and it's just the yeah, men leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, the, 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 the housewife brigade gets to be untethered now. Yeah. Uh, and then we get what I think is one of the more iconic moments in the movie when she's p- trying to put makeup on his face. Yes. With blend and blend and blend. Blending is the secret. And, and then getting so frustrated. Darn this work. stuff. Which yeah. I say constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has like very great blank. Like it's very cartoonish, but it, I mean, this complimentary of like the sort of puppy dog eyed, like, whatever you say lady is like the expression on his face where he's just like, yeah, sure. This is the nicest anyone has ever been to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've existed with no human contact for a long time. And when I had human contact, he was average at best. Hey, Vincent, do not besmirch Vincent price. He was a great entertainer. We we don't see like a real loving relationship between the, I think there was, I think he felt very strongly for him. Hmm. Maybe. He's like reading an etiquette book. Yeah, so he can be boring. be a part of society. I know, it's boring. Well, some, you gotta do the boring shit. You gotta go to school. <laughs> he doesn't send him to school. Because, what's he gonna send a torso with no arms to school? <laughs> I mean, they have classes for people who need special adaptations. Certainly they could have done that. <laughs> so your 25-year-old magic like goblin it's not my fault they made him 25 to start maybe he should have made him little Although I, I, I don't think he looks that old i know Tommy, johnny depp was 25 when he filmed it but yeah, he, i don't yeah. think he looks that old he's definitely supposed to be playing a teenager yeah like he he and winona are the same age yeah well, which movie. is funny because apparently tom hanks was considered for this role and i'm like that is too old that is insane yeah that's an insane ch- although big is only two years beforehand he was playing like a 30 year old in big wasn't he <sighs> We we went real deep on this in that movie, and I don't remember. I thought he was supposed to be, like, 25. I don't know. Maybe I was just thinking of 13 going on 30. That could definitely be it. Um, this was also going to be... Jack and I, my boyfriend and I almost did this as a Halloween costume of this specific scene with the with the purple face the and the darn this stuff. Mm-hmm. We didn't end up because I couldn't find the outfit at the thrift store. Uh, I came close. That's a good idea, though. Yeah. And then uh, Edward finally does topiaries for the for the Boggs family. And I really like the sound editing. Like once he's done making the T-Rex, because um uh Alan Arkin's been listening to a, a ball game on the radio. Yeah. And like uh, I think someone just hit a home run or something like as he's finishing up. So over the radio there's just like Yeah. As yeah, it's like yeah. so it feels like it's for Edward in a way. It's a super clear edit it's super clever edit, not clear. Yeah. Yeah, I like this I like this um this sequence a lot. And uh, it also seems like 
maybe this is more of Tim Burton's secret villain thing. It, it seems to me like he knows Edward is doing this work, so he's like half-assing it. So he eventually he can be like, Edward, you do this one too. Oh, Alan Arkin, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like gonna Tom Sawyer him. <laughs> oh God. Um, the lady, the neighborhood ladies filled the whole uh, answering machine tape. Yes. Uh, Diane Weiss being so bemused by this is a really great performance for by her. Uh, we get the crazy religious lady Esmeralda stopping by. Yes, yes. She doesn't. Uh, she plays such a significant part here, and you think she's going. To, I know she's like the catalyst later. In she's the movie, there, but, but a, yeah, it's shocking how little she's part of the ending, despite being the catalyst. Like, I have you seen The Mist? Yeah. Oh, she she's kind of a um, Carmody. Yeah, like I thought she was going to be like that, where she's like leading a band of resist. Like in a different movie, perhaps a better movie, perhaps not. Your opinions may vary. Like she would slowly turn people against Edward and have an ever growing circle of of people. Like she's the villagers with the pitchforks and the torches, and it's like she should get one person, then two, then three. You know what I mean? See, I kind of prefer it the way it is. That like as soon as they can't get something out of him. It's sort of yeah, they're like true. over it yeah. and like it's you're worthless to us. Yeah. Yeah. Like once uh, Joyce realizes she can't, you know, go to Bone Town, which is yeah. very creepy how much she wants to go to Bone Town with a man who like doesn't yeah. speak. And it, when he does, seems like a child or someone with like severe developmental disability. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, she shows up and then the <clears throat> neighborhood ladies show up at the front door <laughs> to say, oh, you're having a barbecue to, to show off your guest, right? Which, like, I'll be honest, it feels like something our mom would get coerced into doing. Yes, for sure. That I, when you said this character reminds you of mom, I was like, oh, it's certainly in the barbecue scene. Yeah, that they're just like, what you five? We'll be over at five for the barbecue today, and she's just like, Bill, Bill. So wait, is Winona back by the time we get to the barbecue? No, because they're in the mountains. It's after the barbecue that Winona comes home. Hmm. I have Winona like way before this. Yeah. Oh, it's probably just the picture she shows. Yeah, she shows him Winona. Um, yeah, okay. This is where the can opener triggers the memory of the cookie machine. Yeah, they're they're prepping for the barbecue, and he's like chopping all of the cabbage or lettuce up. She's making deviled eggs because you can't have a barbecue without deviled egg. Again, our mom <laughs> can't have a party without deviled eggs. I don't know. She it's that's like a pretty much Easter exclusive. She loves a deviled egg. I do too, but she doesn't make them all the time. She says it's too much work. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the machine, like, what what we see of the machine is that, like, it, there's an egg cracker that cracks into a bowl, and then two whisks that would not reach the middle of the bowl drop down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then a hand slaps the bowl, and out comes fully formed dough, and I'm like, if you're using a whisk, there's a 0% chance you have dough. Yeah. If you're using a fine whisk like that, you aren't using yeah. a dough. You have a batter, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. You'd, it would be a dough hook. They yes, went into the bowl. You would have, you would it's... need a machine to go in and 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 spread the the tie, the like tongs apart to pull out the dough that got stuck yeah, in the it middle. Would be a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Also, uh, clearly Vincent Price is an evil inventor because he invented the conveyor belt oven, which is why Pizza Hut sucks now. So, oh, really? is that a thing? The conveyor belt oven is what all the fast food joints use, which is like they put raw dough in one side and it slowly goes through and like cooks on its way and then it just drops out on the other side as opposed mm-hmm. to like the old school pizza place where like you pull the thing down you put the pizza why in, why is it different why is it like what makes the difference it's just not as good i don't know i don't know why it's not as good. I, well, I was like looking, hoping efficient. for a why <laughs> i think 
you probably get less artisanship from a machine that does most of this work as opposed to like, you know, you have a home oven, right? Mm -hmm. There's like, or there's better spots of it and worse spots of it. It's like, you can kind of move things around and you kind of get used to like how it works. Grill is probably a better analog for a home cook where it's like, I have a grill and I can put it on high, but even when I have it on high, like I know that this side is a little bit hotter than that side. And I'll like move things around to get them in the hot spot to crisp them up and then move them over here to finish cooking. And you can like, you learn these little things. And if you go to like a good pizza parlor, like you can see the guy or woman like reach in there with the paddle, scooch the pizza around, make sure they get this spot and that spot. You know what I mean? Okay. And there's just like a little bit less. And also, you know, they don't have the parlor anymore because it's all the conveyor belt stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I, I have like, so my boyfriend has a very strong, like, memory connection to Pizza Hut. Sure. And I, I just, like, don't. Like, I know there was one. Huh. I do. That's weird. I, we, there was one by that, like, garden shop, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Where the Coles is now. Oh, that's where the Coles is. Yeah, yeah, Um, but, like, I, the only memory, like, strong memory I have is, like, the, um, the Casper hand puppets. And the and the land before time hand puppets, I do remember those. But like I don't re- like. There's no like eating here. Like the red cup thing. Interesting. I've gotten. I've I've very much enjoyed. And you probably don't have this up there in the Philadelphia area because you have better pizza. But I, um, a Detroit style has sort of become like a little bit trendy. And I had it in what Denver. Does it mean? And I, I keep seeing it. that. So it's just it's. You're not going to have this sense memory, but like. It's a sort of thicker crust and it's made in a pan with edges, like high edges. So effectively, as the pizza cooks and the oil comes out of the cheese a little bit, it like gets all over the edges of the crust. And then like Isn't that what deep basic- dishes? No. So deep dish is like casserole where the dough is like covered with sauce. It doesn't have this what what it's like pan pizza versus deep dish. Like mm. deep dish is like two or three inches th- the, the pan is like two and a half, three inches thick. And you like squish the dough into it. And then it has layers of sauce and cheese and toppings and stuff. And then when it comes out, it kind of like a cross section, it kind of looks like lasagna. Gotcha. Whereas this is like a fairly thick crust with cheese and toppings on top of it. Kind of like a tomato pie from okay. like, uh, like that sort of thing. But the pans are smaller and the oil kind of seeps over the top. And so it kind of gets like fried like the top edge oh, okay. of the crust is like sort of fried from the oil from the cheese. So I like it a lot. It's certainly not everybody's favorite, um, but I really enjoy it. But it reminds me like Pizza Hut used to be like that. Oh, okay. I mean, the the, the, the Pizza crust. Hut commercials I've seen from my you yeah. know vintage commercial watching. Yeah. Yes. The crust used to be a little like almost like fried crisp like that. So that's Detroit style sort of brings back that sense memory to me. Okay. Uh, we get a whole bunch of schmucks making fun of Edward at this barbecue. It really sucks. Yeah. I mean, totally to be expected, but they're like, you can come over and play cards with us. Would you like that? And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, that's his face is all like, that sounds great. And they're like, you just can't cut the cards. Ha, 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 ha. And it's like, oh, cool. The racist thing said to the ra- the person who's affected by it. Great. Yeah. Um, they All the women like force feed him all the like ambrosia salad and potato salad, which I actually I had. I did. I did like that he like was able to basically arm himself with this and then go over to the guy who had just said the mean thing to him. And <laughs> but I, I, vomit on. <laughs> I had ambrosia salad for the first time like last year. It's like sweet, right? Like yeah, it's it's like mar- mini marshmallows and maraschino cherries and and you know canned oranges and coconut shavings. 
and like cool whip. So like, no, thank you. If you're a fruit person, then sure. But I'm. You can you can keep it. I'm distinctly not a fruit person. So like, I I would I would say I am a person who generally kind of likes fruit, maybe even loves fruit, depending on the fruit we're talking about. I love coconut and oranges, and the thing you're describing to me sounds so unpleasant to eat. So like, if you like those things, I think you would enjoy it. But I put a, I like. We were at my boyfriend's mom's place, and I very carefully got a scoop that was like mostly marshmallows <laughs> and coconut. Because I was like, I was like, I know I'm not going to enjoy this, but I because the, of how I was raised, polite bite. I need to put a bite on my plate and eat it, and then I can smush around the like the the cool uh-huh. whip to look like I had more on my plate. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I was like, oh yeah, this one bite was plenty for me. And my boyfriend was like, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is <laughs> for you. If you grew I, if you grew up eating it, it's you know part of your thing. Um, another great line. Is, I, I do say there's a very clever thing here that I, that comes back later and uh, I'll hand it back to you. But like this guy comes up to Edward and is like, he's clearly a veteran. Uh, I, they kind of imply Vietnam, but he seems to way too old for Vietnam to be the, well, I guess not. Cause they're in the sixties, whatever it is. He's we're in, we're in the sometimes. Yeah. And he like knocks on his leg to imply like, Oh, I have a wooden leg, but he actually is just talking about like having shrapnel and stuff, but he's very nice to Edward and is like, don't let these people get you down. And it's like, you're like, Oh man, this guy is like kind of like a secret ally. And then later in the movie, it's like, no, he's just as gross as the rest of them. And I, I thought that was very clever of like, Oh man, like he's a little nice to Edward. And then all the women come and basically sh- literally not basically shove him out of the way to start spoon feeding him this food. Mm-hmm. What what's really funny is in the IMDb trivia, they decide one of the trivia's is the man at the barbecue who says, "Don't let them tell you you're a, a cripple or, or handicapped." Is the one who later cruel, uh, cruelly says, "Do they find the cripple?" And I was like, "That's not a trivia. That's just a thing that happens in the movie." <laughs> I fucking IMDb jury sucks so much. It's so stupid. It's that's like being the other like one that drives me crazy is like this person played a superhero later and they did a thing that was like vaguely superhero Jason and I'm like who could care? No, if you want to do these two actors have been in four movies together, cool, like that kind of shit, whatever. But like. If you're literally to the point where you're just naming things that happened in the movie, that's not trivia. That's just what happened in the movie. This I'm telling you, this is the like cinema sins type discourse of like, like, like n- you, nobody watches the fucking movie anymore. They all want to seem smarter than it. I was like, get out of here. This would be like Captain America's shield actually comes back to him when he throws it. Like, that's not a fun fact. That's just that's not <laughs> trivia. That's just the movie. That's happened. You just watched the movie. Yeah. But also, it's no wonder he vomited because the women, the first woman with the, I think it's the Ambrosia salad first, puts like, I, I couldn't believe Johnny Depp could open his mouth this way. He like unhinges his jaw like a python. He does. It's like a good half a cup on this spoon that she puts in his mouth. And then he doesn't get two chomps before another equally large spoon of coleslaw comes in. Like, no wonder he puked. Yeah. Uh, but he's got his, all of his, his scissor hands are loaded up with, you know, shish kebab accoutrement. And then uh, Alan Arkin comes up and goes, all right, everyone got a plate, soup's on. And another line that my boyfriend, every time we see the word shish kebab or something on a menu, we go, I know you shish kebab. Because he's got his <laughs> mouth full of ambrosia salad and potato salad uh-huh. and coleslaw. Uh-huh. And the guy yeah. goes, huh? And Alan goes, what? And he goes, I know you shish kebab. He's yeah. like, no, it was an it's, expression. It's good. But that yeah. is, <laughs> I don't know why that just gets me so good. Yeah. Some stuff just, just hits you right in the ribs. This is the next flashback sequence. Yeah, to the etiquette and limericks. Yeah, and then uh, he's like, 
uh, Edward starts to sort of laugh at something and he's like, it's all right, you can smile. And so it's like very, it, like, this is part of the, like, and again, you, you have a good explanation for it, but it's one of the ones that just doesn't, I like, don't, I need a little bit more handholding, I suppose, but it's just like, wait, he's like learning how to smile. Like how, like how, what he's learning is how this to thing people. you're making? Right. Um, and this is where Kim comes home from the mountains. She, yeah, she had an unchaperoned mountain trip with her friends, which is like crazy. Yes. Yes. Um, and this is where Edward is asleep in her bed. We'll get introduced to Anthony Michael Hall. Who's her boyfriend. Who's playing against type. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and playing like a weird, this is probably the most anachronistic of them all is like, he's sort of playing like a nineties bully, eighties bully, but also a fifties bully. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he like they drop off Winona, uh, also known as Jenna Ortega, uh, alpha version. Um, yeah, yeah. She's Jenna Ortega is just collecting all of the old goth girl roles. <laughs> yes, she is. She's allegedly going to be in this Beetlejuice too. I don't know if you saw that. What? Yeah, is that still? Is that As, actually happening for realsies? So, so Beetlejuice two has been that's been about to happen for, for eight years, thirty four years, thirty five years. No, since like nineteen eighty nine, it has been like almost there. Um, there, there is a script you can find that I have read. This uh, the the sequel that got closest was Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Oh yeah, and it's it's actually kind of funny. Like it's like a it's an obs- it's like a Gremlins two sequel. Okay. Uh, for, where it's sure. just like there's a place for the that. dumbest possible thing yeah it's like oh well we put beetlejuice in hawaii okay um so allegedly it's coming with jenna ortega who the hell knows as like and I, do we know like as like winona's daughter or something probably i mean it's gonna be a legacy sequel thing is the gang Rebels, getting back so, together i mean baldwin i can't imagine is gonna be doing a lot more acting no he's done given, probably given given the yeah general circumstances given the gestures and, wildly and gina davis doesn't work much anymore but she, she'll, she'll show up but also aren't they confined to their home i guess Isn't that but, part of it yeah but i mean that was only for a certain amount of time i don't remember how long offhand okay. but i mean we're definitely gonna have keaton it certainly sounds like we're gonna get winona it sounds like we're getting a jenna ortega who is probably gonna be a winona jr yeah 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 I mean, who knows? This might not ever actually happen. But also, she played Wednesday, so she's got the Christina Ricci roles. She's just, you know, collecting all the goth chick. Yep, just scoop them all up. Yep. I like Jenna Ortega. I, should, I feel like I need to say, like... I don't, big I, fan. I, I hope Genuinely I didn't sound like big I... Big fan. I, I, I like her. She's super talented. She's very talented. Like, have seen multiple things she's Charming did. as hell. I think she's, she's... She packs a lot of charisma. I think she's great. She is comically short which is very funny in some of the scenes in scream six i don't know if you've got yeah yeah with the the, the woman uh, melissa something is melissa the character or the actor i just for I her sister up. yeah i think the actress's name is melissa but i might be getting it wrong but in any case i she's also good the actress who plays her sister but the actress who plays her sister is like probably five eight but she looks like godzilla next to jenna ortega sometimes yeah great movie by the way scream six excellent yeah, very very good uh so he he pops the air mat or the sorry not the air mattress the waterbed and it's like a huge you know chaos moment when Ona's screaming and the parents are like it's just Edward it's fine and so well is uh, she she's pr- she's you know showing us how unreliable eyewitness testimony can be sometimes because she goes yes he had an axe some guy with an axe was in my room yes yes 
Uh, but this leads to Diane Weist like taking Winona aside and Alan Arkin taking uh, Eddie, Eddie Scissorhands aside, and he's like pours him a tumbler of whiskey. It's not a big pour, we'll say. Yeah, but he does give him a slosh of whiskey, and then he like realizes he can't drink it, so he pops a straw, a little bendy straw. Yeah, and Edward slurps it all down and then has some really great, like, oh my god, what is this poison you've given me? Well, and, and Alan Arkin tells him it's lemonade. That's right, he does, yes. Uh, but he gets he gets real quick freshman drunk and then uh, falls over when he when he when they introduce him to uh, Winona officially. Yeah. There's a great bit of business, too, where it's like the slurping noise of the straw and the liquid, and then he like comes up and the straw is not in the liquid anymore, but it's the sound is the same coming out of his mouth. Yeah. It, it, I, honestly, I feel like I like Alan Arkin gives a really good dad performance, and a lot of it he does is, feel yeah. like our father if he were in this situation <laughs> of like our mom brought someone home and he'd be like, I don't love it, but I guess I can't really fight it now. With this. Yeah. It's in the house now. I can't really... <laughs> um i will say i um wish that the lemonade punchline wasn't immediately after yes um because he it's the lemonade moment he falls over and then literally the next scene is joyce being like don't you want some nice lemonade and he throws up on her shoes (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah and i was Uh, like uh, no uh, i'm not uh, giving it uh, to uh. you and then (laughs) but like I'm like, this scene could have been a little bit later. And I think it that- should have been two scenes later. Yeah. Um, uh, also, uh, just a quick Tim Burton thing. Clearly, he's a big Tom Jones fan because he's playing Tom Jones a bunch in this movie. And then Mars Attacks, Tom Jones is in Mars Attacks. Yeah. Well, I think it's because Tom Jones, like Tom Jones is very 60s, right? Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's just, you know, they're doing, it's not unusual. And it's like, oh, Tim Burton clearly, you know, likes it. Yeah. Also, it's like kind of sexy music without being let's get it on, which I, I, I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they also not u- that I think Tom Jones is like great sexy music personally, but I understand what. <laughs> but there's like a an energy. Film. Yeah, yeah. I think they also dance to this in uh, Lake Placid. I think they have a Tom Jones dance party in Lake Placid. They do. They do dance to it's not unusual, which is Placid, very feels weird for those characters. But it is it is an odd choice. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we get. Um, this is where I was talking about what I meant when I uh, Alan Arkin gives a great dad performance because that he's just t- talking at dinner like. I hear you're not charging for your gardening services, Edward. You can't buy things. And then Peg immediately goes, someone gave, Marge gave him cookies today, which like this whole exchange just feels like our parents. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I also love that like Edward is carving this roast, but everyone has started eating. So everyone is having just like a big plate of corn and peas, like seething, waiting for their slice of roast beef. Uh huh. This You're supposed to slice this before you serve dinner. <laughs> slice it before you get to the table. Tent it. Truly shocked there was no glasses of milk at this table, by the way. Yeah, this feels like a milk milk table. Yeah. Winona's friend won't eat the meat because his little fingies aren't sanitary, I guess. I find it hard to really push back against what she feels here, you know? Yeah, but I mean, like, you you can sterilize metals. Oh, for sure, but we just have no evidence that it's been done. No. I also like that some of his fingers are like, like, his right index finger is a full scissor. But then some of his fingers are just like a blade of a scissor. Yes, yeah. And then the thumb is like a weird like pliers piece. Or it's it's like a a little um like a like a fish knife, like a tiny little little baby knife. Oh no, I'm t- I'm t- sorry. Yes, the the thumb itself, but the joint up above it, like the mechanism. Oh yeah, is yeah, like yeah. A yeah. Pair of pliers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where we get the first 
dog haircut. He's given he he's doing a, a topiary, and then a little dog comes up, and he's like, "Huh?" And he starts cutting, and he he gives the poodle a poodle haircut. It's very good. The the lady is like delighted by it. This leads to all the ladies wanting their dogs to get cut, and then Joyce. I will say, I gotta say it. Joyce says, "I want a nice high bouffant like mine." And Joyce, baby, you ain't got a bouffant. You don't got a bouffant. <laughs> Also, this dog's hair would never do no. that. It's like long and flowy. It's a little Shih Tzu, right? I don't know if it's long, but it's it's. I was like, you, this can't this this little Shih Tzu can't have a bouffant, and you don't have a bouffant. What you're describing is 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 moose. Yes, you want to put moose in the dog's hair. You, you have can't cut it into that crispy crispy moose curls, but yeah. you don't have a bouffant, and it always drives me nuts that like no one no one on set was like, can we adjust this line because that's not what her hair is. Well, here's my bigger beef. Joyce is first in line. She has her little dog get her hair cut. And then she's like, have you ever cut a woman's hair? And she like grabs a lawn chair and sits down. And I'm like, hey, lady, there's 15 <laughs> people in line. You're done. You don't just get to do a second transaction because you chose to. This is a society. There's a line. Get in the back. <laughs> yeah, except now everyone wants both. That's right. That's the it's magic ludicrous. of Edward. It should have been two two goes round is what it should have been. Um, also, I don't know what's going on in Joyce's marriage, but like, boy, howdy, is it good that they eventually invented the vibrator because this is an <laughs> unsatisfied woman. <laughs> yeah, because this is an unsatisfied woman. That was invented in the Victorian yes, era. That was the joke. Thank you. That. Thank you. That, I was like, that, we didn't go back that far. Com. Our anachronisms aren't that far. That's the joke. Thank you for circling it. Um, but she is so, she has a huge orgasm from this haircut. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, Charles Boyle does say the most sensual activity is washing a woman's hair. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, but also now that neighborhood is full of like haute couture hair nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is very like uh, runway model haircuts. Mm hmm. Um, uh, I will say I was looking up the Ebert review of this out of curiosity, and he gave this like two or two and a half out of four, I think. And his big beef was like, Edward is like thoroughly odd, but the world around him is also so strange that he stands out less. And I was like, I think that's true. But do you think Tim Burton thinks that's true? No. Like, is this just Tim Burton's view of what life was really like as a child? Because that's sort of what I think. I think so. But I mean, I think... I don't know. I think I, I don't think that the world he's in is odd. I think it's very stylized. Yes. But like no one else in that world is like a leather bodied homunculus with scissor hands. Right. So like, yes, he does stand out. It's a like beautiful BDSM boy. As yeah. I said. Yeah. It's this it's this weird little pastel candy land. Mm -hmm. It's an Easter basket is what it is. It is an Easter basket. Yes. Is this the TV studio bit? No, uh, almost. Uh, first, they have to speak to the head of the company at Avon to... Right, right, to get the makeup tips. To get yes. some ideas. It's so funny that she's, like, so excited to speak to the head of the company and speaks to her for 30 seconds, which, like, I get mm -hmm. for movie purposes, but, like, seems crazy that this is not a longer phone conversation. I also feel like it feels very true to character that she's like, oh, I couldn't possibly take up any more of their time. You know what? Yeah. That was very Edie McClurg, though. I, it's, Who, I you know what? Could have been great in this movie. Could have been great in this movie. Edie should 100% have been one of these gossipy, gossipy gals. 
Or, you know, oh, never mind. I was like, she should have been the religious lady. But I was like, no, that's just her role in Elvira. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. No, no. I Edie, Edie should have been like. In curlers. Excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just add her to the mix. I All of these other women. Photoshop her in there. I want to take it in away. Yeah, yeah. Just stick her you in. Know, in no, yeah, we'll do that deep fake thing. Just put her in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would deep be. Deep fake Edie McClurg as Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I mean that. But can you, like. She's like, oh, oh, I can't <laughs> keep it down. Oh, oh, <laughs> Okay. It came around. It did. It It did. I I waited and it came around. Um, (laughs) I would love to like be rich enough that I could be like, hey, deep fake people. I want you to deep fake an actor I like as an extra in this movie. (laughs) Like what? Like, (laughs) no, yeah. I don't want them to be key. I want them in the scenes where the extras are, but I want that act. This actor should have been in this movie and I'm going to see what that would look like. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Um, And then after they talk to the head of the company, Edward goes to the strip mall to get his knives sharpened, and he has a, like, romantic look at Kim. I don't, I feel like there's a word for this, but I can't think of it. Yeah, it's, because it, it's not lustful, it's, like, sort of, like, puppy love. Yeah, it's, like, you know, it's, like, the scene in, in uh, the original West Side Story at the dance, where, like, everything else kind of fades away, and mm-hmm. there, it's just sort of him yep. looking at her. Uh, and then check off skeleton key fingers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Ed- Edward uh, gets them back in the house by being able to jimmy the lock, uh, which will will be sort of important later. Kind of. That whole that whole sequence is a little 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 much for me. I feel like. But you that's need where it. I start to get lost. You do, but I just start to get lost. Um, and this is where we get to the TV station that he's on. You know, Sally Jesse or he, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but like a hyper local version of it, which I love the idea. Because, like, this guy is also clear, like, if that's the case, this guy is almost assuredly also, like, the 6 p.m. news anchor. <laughs> I was going to say, like, a used car salesman. No, yeah, I mean, you, it's like the uh, the Elvira type shows, it was often, like, the weather guy, and they were like, put on this oh, Dracula yeah. cape. So I was just imagining them being like, all right, Don, you got to host your, your show here. And he's like, yeah, sure, I could host a daytime talk show, no problem. The the asking the uh, the audience is asking questions. Someone's like, "I know a doctor who might be able to fix your hands," and it's like, "How do you know a doctor that can do that?" Like, yeah. what yeah. he doesn't he doesn't based have on what? Them. Yeah, <laughs> like what doctor is like? Oh yeah, I can see. I can fix how <laughs> a hand transplant. I guess is not an impossible thing, but I don't know that Edward is a human. So yeah, it gets it gets it gets dodgy. Um, but then <laughs> then the next woman's like. But if you had hands, you wouldn't be like everyone else. And I'm like, yeah, that's the fucking point, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you. That's what the movie is about. Shockingly enough, the people who are weird and different kind of wouldn't mind being not weird and different for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I also love the 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 blocking of this where Diane Weist and Edward are like sharing a mic and like leaning into it, and leaning <laughs> mm-hmm. into it. And that they have they have a, a poodle and a top and topiary on stage, and then Diane mm-hmm. Weist is mm-hmm. the hair model. Uh, so we eventually get to like, oh, do you have a woman in your life? And it's like a long, awkward silence where we're like, oh, no, is Edward going to say Kim? Is Edward going to say Kim? And, and then- But they were cutting to Kim watching TV and like she's kind of clearly like, oh, sweetheart, don't say that. But also yeah. like, I don't want to say she's falling in love with him. She's flattered. She's very flattered because like I, I, at the end, she does say I love you. But I don't I don't think it's a like rom- it doesn't feel like a romantic. Right. Uh, they right. can't, it doesn't feel like family, but it doesn't feel romantic. It just feels like, yes, I wish things could be different, but they're not. It's it's like step one of maybe a romance, but it's not a full romance. Yeah. So he, but he <laughs> leans forward to touch the mic, and his 
he gets zapped and thrown backwards. Which is very delightful for Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, yeah. He's like cackling up a storm. And the brother is, you know, hyening alongside. And then we get one of my favorite shots of the whole movie where we've got this from the uh, TV studio. We got the idea of like, oh, you should open a, a, a salon. And we go... Oh, did I tell you that Macaulay Culkin was who Tim Burton wanted to play the little brother because he saw Uncle Buck? Oh, that would I, he would have been fine there. I, I see. I don't. I think you're starting to imbalance the movie because he he couldn't do this because he was doing Home Alone. So like, oh, peak Macaulay Home Alone, like Home Alone yeah. Macaulay in this movie is suddenly your things aren't too much. You think? Yeah, I think yeah. it's too much. He's he's. I think he's okay. too charming and fun that like they'd end gotcha. up like giving him more to do and like we don't need that. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Like a lot of the other actresses they considered for Winona Ryder's role, one of them was uh, Elizabeth Shue, like uh, who we love, oh, but like, yeah, wrong choice, wrong choice. And at first I was like, oh, she's too strong of an actress, but like, Winona Ryder gives a great performance. Like she's yeah. doing a lot here. And then the other one was Drew Barrymore, which like honestly, totally wrong, wrong choice, but right level. Yeah, she's got sort of the pixie energy, which is what you need here. Before he came down, it never snowed. And now it does. <laughs> like, come on. If you could make that into old lady, it would be the literal perfect impression. But what you did was of really good Drew Barrymore, which I've never seen you do before. So I have, I have a bit of, I can do a little Drew Barrymore. Let me see if I can I've do. I've never heard you do it before. I liked it. I'm trying to like get my face in the right shape. Yeah. Before he came down. It never snowed, and after, it did. I think that's the best we're going to get. It's not good, <laughs> yeah, but that's the best we're going to get. Pretty good. The Drew Barrymore at the onset was very good. I've never heard you do that before. Thank you. I'm not Josie uh, Grossy anymore. <laughs> uh, it's funny that everyone makes the face that you're making that our audience can't see when they do Drew Barrymore. Yeah, the, the, si- the, the uh, Kathy Najimy and Hocus Pocus face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Joyce is like, oh, we'll start a salon. And she like takes him through it. And then, oh, we'll take him to the back room. And I'm going to try to have sex with this teen homunculus. <laughs> um, what are we doing? What song is, is it? It's not sexy thing. It's it's a different Ed, uh, Tom Jones song, I think. Oh, is it? It's not. It's it, Yeah, yeah. Also, very funny to me. So in the uh, early on in the movie, Diane Weist gives Edward some old clothes of um, her husband's. And it's just, <laughs> They're just what like, he wears oh. the entire movie. Yes. It, it's like a white shirt and black pants with suspenders. And like he cuts the suspenders and she she safety pins and stuff. But like he keeps destroying these clothes. Like they're getting more and more cut up and torn to ribbons. And they don't give him like a different shirt. He just wears this one, which well, sort I mean, of cracks me up. If you're going to keep ripping it, if it's going to keep ripping. And it's not like he's I, naked I, underneath. Right, right. But I just like, I would think that she would like hastily sew it back together. You know, it would like have sort of Catwoman tears or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so she tries to she tries to sleep with this teen homunculus. The chair breaks, and Edward does like a really good Tina Belcher. Don't move your arms. Run to get out of there. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And I uh, didn't think about that until now. <laughs> it's like it's it's like chest forward, butt back, and run, but don't move your arms. Now I now I want them to do that as one of their um yeah one of their parody episodes trios yeah because Louise was Edward Scissorhands first, and then. And then uh, Linda took the scissors and said, you're Edward Spoonhands. You're not running around with scissors yes. on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, so 
he he like runs to meet with the family who are eating at this diner and alan arkin i don't know if you caught this but he's eating a bowl of chili and he's like putting crackers in it Mm -hmm. but at the point that we see it he's probably put like 12 saltines in and he's still breaking more it's like (laughs) this bowl is like 80 percent the sludge now 20 percent chili yeah yeah uh, like, oh, did you have a good day? And he goes, yeah, Joyce showed me the location of the salon. And then she took me in the back room and took all her clothes off and the dinner. And everyone's like, clink, 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 clink. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a little glance between Diane Weiss and uh, Alan Arkin where it's like, again. <laughs> so they go to the bank. Uh, so I love this where it's like, we've seen this weird pastel world and it's like, oh, what's the bank look like? A Exactly what you think it looks bank. like. Yeah, yeah. A white building that just says bank, and the inside is cold and austere and concrete yeah. and metal. It's very well done. Um, the credit system is is broken and bullshit. Yeah. Let's just say that. Well, okay. I agree with you. I also think it's not totally insane to be like, you aren't a person. <laughs> I'm not going to loan you $250,000 to Yes, but just as a larger picture. A hundred percent. The credit system is broken bullshit that needs to be dismantled. I totally agree. It's a fucked up system, but I just like, I do, I do have a little bit of sympathy for, yeah, I'm not going to give a huge check to a homunculus boy. Although you would think that if the mayor's wife was talking about it, that like the mayor would would have stepped in and been like, Hey, you're going to give him a loan. Right. Right. Um, and also all of the problems of this movie are avoided if Edward gets a loan and opens a salon, by the way. Yeah, they, I mean, although not necessarily, because they still would have asked him to break in. Right, but he would be like, no, I have a loan and a business to uphold. They weren't, he wasn't getting the money out of that. They were going to open, Edward was going to open the business. Not with, no, he, so he, the only reason he did the break in is because they, is because Kim asked him to. He had no, there, he was not getting a cut No, of I that. know that. No, 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 I know that. I'm just saying, like, if Edward had gotten the loan, he would have been so wrapped up in trying to start this business, he wouldn't have had time to do this robbery. I don't think you. I think he would have made time for Winona. Maybe. In that blonde wig. <laughs> uh, so this is where we get this robbery sequence where uh, Anthony Michael Hall is, wants to rob his own parents and then sell their shit for money to buy a car, which is a pretty circuitous thing. Yeah. Also, I, his dad is, like, constantly talked about as this, like, giant asshole who, like... He's like, oh, he bought an entire entertainment system, but he keeps it in a locked room, so I'm not allowed to to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I like that we never see his parents. Right. Like, they clearly have no interest in this neighborhood <laughs> being Absolutely. a part of yeah. shit. Like, yeah, they're like, we're extremely rich. We don't need to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, so we get this hilarious, like, t- RoboCop-esque security I, system. A, and a great little conversation pit. Yeah, it is a conversation pit. It is quite a conversation pit. I do like a conversation um, pit. He gets locked in, and then the police come, and they're, like, about to shoot him, and it's like, the, no, 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 those are his hands. The framing and the cinematography of this sequence is so yes. good and, like, yeah. s- kind of scary. Like, yes. everything yeah. is, like, backlit and, like, very severe and harsh and low angles. Well, the other thing is, like, as I was watching, I was like, would he die? Can he die? I, uh, I don't I think he I would. Guess, I, I guess we're going to find out, but it's going to be weird to see bullets just rip through this little BDSM boy's body. <laughs> I I don't, I don't think he would. I think he's immortal. Um, I, I agree with you. I just would. I, it's like when he shoots him, does stuffing come out? Like what's in there? <laughs> Sawdust. Hey. Or, uh, or is it just vomit? Puke? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's just vomit leaks out of the side. Um, 
but the thank you i finally have somewhere for it to go the uh the police are going to open fire because he won't drop his weapons and then the neighborhood women get to have to show up and be like those are his hands don't yeah, shoot yeah. So he goes to jail, and the the Alan Arkin and and Diane Weiss come to pick him up. And there's a really they're great so line lovely the, and compassionate about this whole they thing. They are, they are, because you would think this would be the term where they're like, "We took you in, and you did this to us." But they're like, "Oh no, you're just confused. You don't know right from wrong. You're a homunculus. Like, how, of course you don't know." But I love the cop like escorting them in the back, and they're like, "Now we're gonna have to keep him overnight for observation." Like, what is observation? That's a hospital it's term. Just, you ding that hospital talk. Yeah, it's what it's. I thought it was good. Um, but like immediately she's like, I know I said, we'll get the money somehow. I didn't mean stealing. Yeah, <laughs> damn yeah. those TV programs. And then Alan Arkin immediately goes, damn them all to hell. <laughs> it's this yeah. like beautiful image of what like parents in the nineties thought. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the gossip brigade gets cranked. Well, up the cop here. is very nice to Edward. That's true. He Cause is. they're, he's talking to the psychiatrist Who's like, look, he had no, he's had no human interaction. He has, why why would he have a sense of right and wrong? He's clearly very imaginative. Like, there's nothing wrong with him, but he's, he needs to be socialized. He's Nell. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to put it. He's, he's Nell, except he knows etiquette. So it's like a weird, (laughs) he knows English language and some etiquette. Yes. So it's like a weird Nell. He's, he's read a lot of Emily Post. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But then the cop is like, look. It would keep me up all night worrying about you, bud. Please, please be careful out there. And, like, clearly yeah. you can tell that like, he gives a shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even later, like, because it's the same cop later. Who's yeah, he's great later. Gun in the air. Yeah, because, like, he, he very clearly has a soft spot for Edward. He's like, this is not your, nothing about this is your fault. It's right, kind of like, right. nope. Like, you can't tame the wild. <laughs> yes, this movie sort yes. of feels like, don't try and domesticate the wild in, like, a broad yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. He's like a wolf. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the well's starting to get poisoned. They're all talking about, you know, the break-in and what happened to Joyce and... Yes. Yeah. How, how he's really this like source of evil. Um, then we get a big fight with Anthony Michael Hall and Winona where she's like, you, we shouldn't have left in there. Like all we had to do was say that we accidentally set off the alarm. This is like earlier, but she's like, we could just say we accidentally set the alarm. And he's like, no, no, my dad will prosecute me. And it's like, really? Yeah, (laughs) that's insane. But really? So this is where we find out Edward knew it was Jim's house. Jim is Anthony Michael yes. Hall. Um, and he, does, he doesn't He does see Kim yell at Anthony Michael Hall. And because he can't process his emotions, he just sees her talking to him and, like, goes to slash everything down the hallway. Yeah, he destroys all the wallpaper in the bathroom, too. It's like the soft version of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman transformation. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. It is very similar. It's something that uh, maybe was on the mind of Mr. <laughs> Mr. Burton. I mean, I would love to do that in a movie. Just give me a give me a cast iron skillet and let me go nuts. <laughs> a rage room is what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all these... Pardon my words here, but fucking bitches are like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. He's he's a scourge on the neighborhood. Well, yada, yada, yada. And now Joyce is spinning a rape story about what happened to her. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Which this is, is just unconscionable. Unconscionable. He's a, he's a teen boy homunculus. He <laughs> I, probably doesn't. He almost certainly doesn't have a penis. Yeah, why would Vincent Price give him a dick? There'd be no right. reason to. Right. I just have the one way in and back out. <laughs> um. Also, they, like, kind of talk about it, but if you notice, like, 
at a certain point, Diane Weiss just keeps getting shorter and shorter hair because no one will come get their haircut anymore. Yes, so she just feels yeah. bad and just keeps getting her haircut. Yeah, I wanted her to end up like Sinead O'Connor at the end of this. <laughs> it, or G.I. Jane. Yeah, yeah. What is he like? He like flicks, he like mo- he like flips his hand back and a little razor pops out where his wrist should be to be like <laughs> little buzzer clippers. Yeah. Perfect. Um they're, and they're now they're prepping for the Christmas party because Joyce still thinks people Peg still thinks people are gonna come, which again kind of feels like a mom thing. Like yeah. can I still show up. Uh he ends up making an ice sculpture in the backyard, which the is the ice uh, dance. Snow. Yeah, yeah, well, probably the most like one of the most iconic moments of this movie, anyway. Yeah, um, it's very pretty, and it's the the music Elfman does here is very great as well. It's it, this is like really well shot. Everything about this is very good. It feels dreamy without feeling like stupid about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did say to my boyfriend that if we can get a snow machine, I would let our first dance be to the ice dance because it's like ninety <laughs> seconds long, which is, and it's not like choreography. It will be pretty difficult to get an ice machine, a venue that will let you blast snow in the room, but... It could be Snope. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I'm fine with a Snope machine. I'm just saying, we were, like, expressly forbidden, not that we wanted them, to be clear, but we're, like, absolutely no fog machines under any circumstance. Well, the fog is different. Fog can set off fire alarms. Oh, okay. So that's why a lot of venues don't do that, but... Got it. Snope machine is different. Um, So Anthony Michael Hall uh, attacks uh, Edward here. Well, first he distracts him, so he so Edward accidentally cuts um, Winona Ryder's hand. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and then uh, he pulls a Lithgow to Edward. <laughs> Go on, get out of here. Progress of soup. And I love that as Edward's running away, uh, we do see Alan Arkin, who, again, this villain theory of Tim Burton's is weird, because Alan Arkin's like, Edward, where are you going? You know, he's, like, he's on the roof doing the, like, the they have the rolls of cotton batting to look like I snow. I do love this, the fake snow, yeah. So he's like stapling up top and rolling it down. But he's like, hey, Ed, where are you going, buddy? So Edward's like running by and he's destroying topiaries. And then I love that I he love takes this rage time. sequence. Yes. But I also love that he takes a moment to carve a demon topiary, put Christmas lights in it and put it up against the Jesus lady's house. Yeah, she deserves it. It's just very funny to me. So the cops come. Now we're doing like a manhunt sort of thing. The whole everyone's like pitch. This is like the pitchfork sequence in Frankenstein. They're trying to find him. Yeah, he sneaks back home, and he and Kim have a moment. Um, hold me, I Diane can't. Diane and Diane Weist and uh, and uh, Arkin are like out looking for him. That's right. Hold me, I can't is like one of the better, like more romantic, sentimental lines of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then she like kind of wiggles her way in to get a hug. It's basically yeah. she's hugging someone who's like just had their nails painted or like has oven mitts on. That like awkward yeah. hug you would yeah. do. Uh huh. Like all elbows. Yeah, all elbows. Um, and this is where he remembers the death of the inventor. I wrote professor. <laughs> I don't know why I, wrote, I meant inventor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where he shows him the hands that could be a prototype. We don't know. Yeah, this is where, like I said, this is where I always get lost at this movie. Where I'm like, well, all right, I was like on board and now you're getting too magical that these like these wax sculptures were going to be like functional hands or something. But Edward, like he, he, he clearly has a heart attack or a stroke or something. And Edward cuts the hands all to ribbons by mistake as it happens. So allegedly Vincent Price um, did, because he was, he's very old. This was his last performance. His last scene on film is him dying. Um, alleged- he did have a voice role that came out after this, but this is his last on-screen performance. Did he? Yeah, there was this like, it was like a weird, like it was in limbo and it's like supposedly pretty awful and got like 
the footage got re-edited by two different companies. I think Disney was one of them and dropped out as two different movies, both of which were huge failures. And it came Weird. out, one was like 93 and one was 95. Like well after that, he died. Um, acor- again, according to IMDb trivia, so allegedly uh, Vincent Price actually did pass out one, t- one day under the lights. Oh, shit. And then it says that Tim Burton kept a shot of him passed out on the ground in the movie. But if you look, there isn't a shot of just Vincent Price Everything has Johnny Depp also acting in it. And like, I can't hmm. imagine Johnny Depp would be like, I'll keep going. Like, if my scene partner unless, passes unless out. Unless he didn't, unless, unless the scene called for him to pass out and he just thought he was doing a good performance, I could see it being like a. Oh, I guess, too. yeah. But that's alleged. That's interesting. Yeah, he, he was like going to be a much bigger part of this movie. And because of his illness, they had to really chop that down and chop it down, chop it down. And it ends up being, I think, honestly, like just enough. Exactly like, what you I, need. I could have. Yeah, I could have done, you know, a couple more minutes, moments of it, really, but it's it's exactly the right amount to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so this is where we see the the little brother. He's, like, running around looking for Edward. No, and- he's not. He's running. He's coming home, and this little shit has no spatial awareness. There's a clearly yeah. well, a swerving van behind him. He doesn't have headphones on, yeah. and he's like, let yeah. me jog across the street as this van barrels down. Also, it's a drunk driver, so I give the kid a little bit of leeway. Yeah, he can see that it's a drunk driver. He's crashing through he's crashing through topiaries and swerving. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where we get that neighbor who that the alleged like nice guy veteran who is like, Hey, where did they get that cripple yet? And you're like, Oh no, you were a piece of shit the whole time. We just thought you were nice. I see. The call was coming from inside the house. Yeah. Dan Weist also at some point has a really nice little monologue about like, I didn't think about what would happen if I brought him down here and how it would affect yes. everything. And I think it's yes. probably best if he goes back up to that house, which like, it's a heartbreaking, sad thing, but like, you know, it is, yeah. like uh, Harry and the Henderson, sometimes you just got to go back to the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Edward ends up saving the little brother here, like tackling him away from the van, saving his life. And then as he's trying to like comfort him is just cutting him to ribbons. <laughs> yeah. He's just like sc- scratching at his face. And so yeah. the, all the neighbors see this and think he's being attacked. It becomes a whole thing. So he ends up running away. He slashes uh, the fuck out of Anthony Michael Hall, which I love. Yeah. Oh, Anthony Michael Hall starts to kick this snot out of him and he, he cuts him and, and he starts running away. Don't forget my power, young man. I have, I've got fucking machetes on my hands. Yeah. What do you yeah, got? Exactly. Hands? It, it, it made me flash back to the show and tell sequence where the, uh, the little brother's like, he could cut a guy's head off with a karate chop. Yeah. We, you know, you remember what I did with the uh, with a little the paper string of dolls? I'm gonna do that to your stomach, buddy. Back up. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. Um, uh, so they t- uh, Peg and Peg and Ellen Arkin show up and take Kevin inside and like Edward, come home. And then Kim's like, "You should run. You really should run." Yeah, yeah. And so he runs. The cop comes and goes after him. They all decide to also follow the cop. Somehow Winona Ryder beats them to the house, to the mansion. Yeah. It, it it strikes me as like a, oh, this is my neighborhood. I know there's shortcuts, but we don't see that. We don't see so any of that. Like, yeah, yeah. She just is apparently Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the cop chases Edward into the, up into the house a little bit and then fires his gun. He pulls a Keanu and fires his gun into the air. Yeah. And, and is like, just, hey, it's over, everyone. He doesn't give any specifics because he doesn't want to be, yeah. you know. You can't, I didn't say anything. I just said, yeah. go home. Yeah, yeah. You heard a gunshot and I told you to go home. I didn't lie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's not enough for them. So the villagers keep going to storm the castle gates. 
so we get this nice bit with the two of them up in the house where Renona's like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, they're never going to let you go. They won't just let you live up here in peace. Like, I, I don't know what to do here. And they're having a nice moment. And then in comes Anthony Michael Hall, all fired with a gun, with a gun, uh, almost kills Kim. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I like she actually uh, picks up a little like a log and f- gets in the fight. She joins in unlike Demi, yeah, which. Which or like half the women in the movies we watch, where they're the man is getting the shit kicked out of him, and they're like, "Oh, I guess I'll just watch." What a shame! No, she gets in with a log and hits him, and uh, then she picks up Edward's hand to his throat and is like, "I'll stab yes. you myself." Which, like, yeah, the I quote, will kill you. The implications of like, if like in the in the world of the movie that where she uses Edward's hands to stab Anthony Michael Hall in the throat, like. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for poor Edward? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna serve a life sentence because of this. Like, he's like I didn't do it, but these hands will never be clean. <laughs> Out, damn spot. Out, Out damn spot. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up getting up, and because Winona was like, "I will kill you," he was like, "Well, I guess I can kill him." So she he stabs. Uh, well, yeah, he beats hall. Winona, and then Edward's like, "Don't, no, no, yeah. no, no." Click, 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 stabs click, click. him in the gut, pushes mm. him out a window. It's a pretty gruesome death for this I mean, character. When you're a villain like that, yeah, you know, no, uh, I mean, he's he's the villain, that's for sure. Um, so they know they have to part ways, like they can't be together. Yeah, I do find that I I, I know it, you you gave it a little better cover than I think the movie does, but the I love you does seem very left field to me. Where I'm like, you guys have had like eight minutes of time together. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I don't. I, Yes, it's a kiss, and yes, it's an I love you, but it just doesn't feel romantic to me. Yeah. And, like, maybe that's just because I I don't always want to see romantic shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But, um, and then she has some really smart thinking on the way out the door. She sees a prototype hand and grabs it to be yes. like, I got proof now. I can say he dead. So it's a great big speech, and she kayfabes them all, like, oh, he's dead. They killed each other. Look if you want, but here, here's his hand. Yeah. So we cut to old Winona doing bad old lady. Oh, they all go home sad. They all get to pretend they're sad that he's dead, even though like, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Well, it's, it does. You're totally right. I'm just saying, but it does strike me as the thing of like how people like get caught up in a moment and then like reality sets in and they have the moment reality sets in of like, Oh, like the son of that couple that we never see is dead. And also this guy that we all kind of liked, right? Until, like up until a day ago, we all kind of liked him and now he's dead. Like this is really fucked up, yeah. right? Like I was part of it. Um, the sad realization part. It just kind of reminds me of like in Greek mythology, Medusa would could turn people to stone with a look. And so because yeah. of that, she isolated herself yes. and people kept going to her. And turn yeah, it like yeah, y- this yeah. is your. She d- did the responsible thing. I'm not thing. the villain. Yeah. I'm not the fucking villain. I went away to my mansion. I'm hiding in the mansion. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um. So we get the little wrap up here, which is kind of, it's a huge bummer that she's like, I never saw him again. And then it's like, well, you could go up there now, Grandma. And she's like, Yes, but I'm old. I don't want him to think. I'm about an old woman way. now. Like, like I don't know, Winona. I think he'd probably be pretty happy to see you, given that it has been. 60 or more years since he's seen another human being. I mean, we don't know that no one went up. To, like, maybe Diane Weist went. Oh, I got the impression that he was alone forever up there. I, I would think, yes, but... 
And then we get the line that you did as Drew Barrymore earlier, which was, you know, I think he's, I know he's still alive because it never used to snow and now it does. And you can sometimes also, see me out there dancing in it. Apparently there's morons on the internet who think that the the old lady character is just telling a fairy tale to her daughter and is not actually. Oh, like is making all this up? Yeah. And not an experience. I'm like, no, it's, it's Winona Ryder. She said I was there. Like the, it, yeah. she's telling the story of what happened. Right. Right. It's explicit. Yeah. Again. I beg you to watch the movie. <laughs> I just it, beg you to watch it. It's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get the Edward making these really beautiful snow sculptures and the snow coming down and we flash back to young Winona dancing in the snow. Um, I do think this is a little bit of a Titanic ending where it's like, she's an old woman. She's had a family enough to have grandchildren and she's still kind of pining for a guy that she knew for two days when she was 16, which is a little bit of a bummer, but I get yeah, why I people mean, like the movie. I don't know about pining, but if he's the man, if if all this happened, then like, yeah, you're going to remember that. And if also he's the reason it snows in your town, you're going to remember that too. I thought she had like sort of a more love connection than you do. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that I'm just reading it my way, but. I get that. I get that. Uh, final thoughts, recommendations? It's great. It's a little long, but you know, it's a solid movie. It is a little it's, bit long. It's it's. It's just like peak amazing visual storytelling. Um, it's good Tim Burton. It is good Tim Burton. Um, certainly worth a watch if you haven't seen it before, although uh, this movie is longer than it, so I guess we can't be too judgmental about length. Uh, although we did have some extended riffs about the vomiting that was cut <laughs> out from the movie. So, uh, yeah, it, this is like Tim Burton getting to do basically anything he wants being unleashed, but still having a little bit of reins on, which I think makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big the big part of it for me. But overall, yeah, I think this is worthy of, of recommendations. Um, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to get your uh, calls in for Listener Request Month. That's 856-DISSECT. Uh, and check the episode description for the full phone number. Um, check us out on Facebook or on Twitter. It's at Dissect the 80s uh, on Twitter and Dissect the 80s on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Um, we will be back. Oh, rate and review the show if you haven't done that. I feel like we put that out for a while and maybe haven't said it enough lately, but go read the show if you haven't done that. We read those out and it's been like a year since we gotten to do that. So go do that, please. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. What are we watching? Uh, we are watching Witches of Eastwick, not Breastwick, which not I Breastwick. Was very Have you ever seen Eastwick? Thought, no. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I thought we were going back to Chopping Mall's Jim Winorski <laughs> for, for Bridges of Breswick. Uh, yeah, that's Jack Nicholson and Cher and uh, a whole bunch of other And Susan stuff, Sarandon so. and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like a that's right. heavy, heavy hitters. It's on uh, HBO Max if you're listening to this when it comes out. So check that out and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.